This episode of Couch Communion is dedicated to Rebecca Musser and Alyssa Wall. Their bravery to leave their cult and fight for justice has inspired countless others. We talk about both of them in this episode, but if you would like to read their stories in their own words, you can read both of their books, The Witness Wore Red and Stolen Innocence. Also, a trigger warning for this episode, this topic covers a lot of domestic abuse and child sexual abuse. We will warn you beforehand before the worst parts of it, but if you need to skip this episode, it's all good. We'll catch you on the next one. We wonder, we roam, we take the road, we make our home, together, we're never alone, we take the road, we make our home. Hi everyone! Hey, I'm Sarah. I'm Jordan. And this is Couch Communion. Here we are. Here we are. I am not, in fact, on a couch. Nor are you. Better. I'm I'm in a bed. Yeah, I'm in a stupid chair. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) I had the realization that uh, I can clip the boom arm for my mic onto pretty much anything. As long as it has a lip on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my bedside table. Hey. It does have a lip. I can communion. No, that sounds weird. <laughs> I was going to say I can commune in the bed. But that's. <laughs> I mean. Uh, that's a whole can't. other situation. <laughs> uh, Not with me, you can't. No. So, um, well, that's similar to how like I just set my mic up on my desk in like my office home Mm -hmm. office space and then just never took it down and i was like this is way better this is way better why did i ever just like move it back and forth so yeah so this is now my podcasting slash D &D desk for whenever i need to zoom in which i will be doing for our next D &D game because guess what guys you tried so hard i got so far but in the end it didn't I got matter. COVID anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I got COVID and I'm very sad about it. She not got the Rona. I got it. I haven't had it yet. This is the first time. I outran it so oh, hard. Can you, are you, do you still have no taste or smell? No. Okay. So, um, so here was the timeline and it's a <laughs> yeah. weird timeline. So last Thursday, today is Friday. So a week and a day ago. I started up feeling good. I tested and it was negative. And I was like, oh, thank God. It's just a cold. Fantastic. So I like took Friday off and I texted my supervisor and was like, hey, not feeling good, but I think it's just a cold. I tested negative for COVID. Thank goodness for that. And then Friday I started getting a fever, tested again. It was positive. And I had to very awkwardly text him and say, (laughs) hey. Just kidding. (laughs) Remember that one time when I said I didn't have COVID? So here's the crazy thing. I do. (laughs) Also, you should go get tested because I was hanging out with you. (laughs) So, um, but it's been fine. I just felt like I had a really bad cold for, you know, kind of over the weekend. Monday started feeling better and just kind of been on the mend so if i sound congested sorry (laughs) i am it's because i am yeah Uh, tonight on couch communion or today or whenever you're listening to this (laughs) um 
We are doing a cult communion, which I guess I should have said at the beginning. I oh, forgot yeah. that. Well, this is cult communion, everyone. Welcome to another episode of cult it's communion. Cult communion. Um, it's. I realized it's really not been that long since our last cult communion episode, so I promise I will like take a break for a while. Um, you just love cults. I just sure do. Well, I guess episode 31 and 32 mm-hmm. was our last one and this is 38 so that's still pretty close i gave it six episodes i mean time wise time wise it's not that close also we didn't call the um the way down a cult communion episode it could oh, but been. it is though um but this one i similar to our episode on the way down um there was a new documentary that came out about the flds church which i'm stoked to watch it's very good it's extremely good i've also watched a couple other things about it in the past couple days um and i already knew a little bit about it going into it so this was kind of a it was something i wanted to talk about eventually on the podcast and uh this i don't know while it was fresh in my mind uh, it seemed like a good time to talk about it. And so, yeah, that's what we're going to be. That's our main topic for today. Before that, I do have a little bit of spare change. I want to talk about a book I read about World War II. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to talk about the songs. <laughs> I love that you had to be like, no, 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 not, not that. Not really. I don't. <laughs> not really. Shocker, I don't want to talk about World War II or a book. Um no, it's about um, this song that has been all over TikTok, and I've heard it, I've heard the chorus a bunch of times, and I was like, yeah, this is a cool song. And then I downloaded it. It's um, the song You Might Not Like Her by Maddie Zom. And I was not expected to be hit in the face immediately with a song that I related so much to, and it's very deconstruction-related Um so uh, Jordan hasn't heard the whole thing, so we're gonna listen to it real quick. I am so familiar with it. Though. She's familiar with it, but um, that way we can talk about the whole thing because I have feelings and thoughts, and yeah. So if you would have told me. So, that's a lot. Woof. Yeah. Um, so we just listened to it. I'm going to have to cut that out because we can't just like play the whole song on our (laughs) podcast. I don't think that's allowed. Um, if you haven't heard it, go listen to it. It's very good. Um, but uh, just some of the lyrics, like I'd only heard the chorus, right? Which is good. Um, but the starting off of the, if you would have told me I'd throw away my purity ring in the middle of an airport, my younger self would laugh, would never believe that it's against everything that we stood for. And I was like, I'm already, I'm already in this song. I'm, I'm already here. Yeah. I'm here. I'm sitting down. Also the, um, she tried to convert everyone I call a bestie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. I do. I mean, like. There's a reason that's it, it is the chorus, but like the you may not like her, but I do. That's when mm-hmm. it's hard to me. Yeah, the, but I do. Yes. Oof. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and the 
you know, you'll learn to let people have their opinions and talk about your traumas and like the body you live in. And, mm-hmm. um, like, whew. also the very end, I was listening to this while I was driving, um, to another city for work. And I'm like driving through the Daniel Boone National Forest <laughs> listening to music. And this song came on like a, a playlist, like an Apple Music playlist. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know this song. I was crying by the end of it, mm-hmm. especially the um, someday you think you'll disappoint your parents, but they'll love you not despite. But regardless, I was like, goodbye. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> goodbye. I'm out. I'm crying now. Thank you. Now I have to show up to this meeting with someone I've never met before. And I'm crying. So thanks. Um, but so good. And I've heard a lot of people, the other reason that this is in our spare change, I've heard a lot of people describe it as, uh, the first song that they've heard that has made them feel the way that worship music used to make them feel. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 It's very that. much a, it's a hand raise. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ooh. moment. That's a, that's a big fish. Yes. That is yes. a big fish. Um, for me, like that song, definitely. I hundred percent agree. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see. What was it called? Um, creature by half alive. Yeah. Was the song that did that for me. Yes. Um, see now I have to look up the lyrics, but they are a Christian. They are. Yeah. The difference is, is that one definitely like is a, Mm -hmm. you know, it's meant for that. Um, but I definitely got the same feeling with standing in the balance of complete and incomplete. I identify the echo of what is and what will be. And I was just like, oh, no. Oh, Hello. No. Where do yeah. I put this? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I have these emotions. <laughs> I carried a watermelon. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, it's good. If you get that reference. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I to listeners, if you have any other songs like that that feel like a worship song without it being a worship song, let us know. Uh, because I think I'm sure there's a Spotify playlist called worship that. songs that aren't. I hold on. I can. Yep. <laughs> um, songs that aren't worship songs, but actually are worship songs. Yes. <laughs> Songs that aren't worship songs, but sound like they are. Mm-hmm. Also, just like the first one that came up for me is worship, worship songs, songs that, that aren't, aren't trash. trash. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, the Mumford and Sons ones, the ones that have Mumford and Sons on it, I'm like, no, but Mumford and Sons actually like, mm-hmm. they are, they're, um, they're like, uh, need to breathe in that. They're like the the they're like the foil of Need to Breathe, where it was like Need to Breathe started out a Christian band, and then they were like, we want to make secular music, but yeah. also that yeah. can still be accessible by the Christian crowd. And Mumford and Sons was like, we're gonna make secular music, and then they were like, no, we're a Christian group. Yeah, <laughs> and veering, yes, yeah, the foil. Yeah, I like that the foil of yeah. Now I I'm- still am reeling from the Killers like that. That still is yeah. is blowing my mind. I mean, yeah. Yeah. The Killers, by the way, uh, if you didn't know, they're a Christian group. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Which... Are they a Christian group or a group of Christians? Well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. They they take... So people take the the lines, jealousy, turning saints into, into the sea, swimming through sick lullabies, choking on your alibis... But it's just the price I pay. Destiny is calling me. Open up my eager eyes because I'm Mr. Brightside. That is what people are point to when they say that that song in particular um, is a quote unquote Christian song. Mm. The lead singer has talked about before that like he walks a fine line with Christian influences in his music mm-hmm. which we should clarify he's a mormon which which is actually a good you know <laughs> ties into s- you know, this ties. episode so that all that being said let's talk about the flds <laughs> let's talk about them crazier mormons yes yes um i do want to start just talking about mormonism in general because i'm assuming that people uh listening already know what mormons believe i'm assuming you already know but i don't know that i should make that assumption things um i learned most of what i knew about mormonism before today from the uh broadway musical book of mormon probably not your most reliable source no although it is a you know between the songs all american prophet and i believe i feel like they give a good rundown of (laughs) the basic very basic tenants yeah Yeah. so okay so basically here's here's a brief overview of mormonism uh it's mormonism or the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints very much a mouthful um but it's based on the teachings of this guy, Joseph Smith, who they believe was another prophet. And he uh, was from New York. And he claims, so he was like chilling one day thinking about, mm, okay, God, I'm a Christian. Like what denomination, church should I belong to? And uh, an angel appeared to him uh, named Moroni. I don't know if it's Moroni or Moroni? I'm not sure where the emphasis goes on that. We're going to say, we're going to say Moroni. Um, that sounds more angely, I think. So he comes up and he's like, Joseph, my guy, you should go to this hill and dig up these golden plates that uh, were buried there when I was alive and now I'm an angel, but you should go bury those because I left them there. And Joseph Smith's like, okay, that makes sense. I will go do that now. So he goes, he finds but. these golden <laughs> Bet <laughs> he finds these golden plates that were written in uh, some kind of I forget what they call it like reformed Egyptian language, which is not really a thing, and no one knows what that means. But okay, and uh, the golden plates, which then were like used to write the Book of Mormon, basically tell about um, ancient Israelites who built boats and sailed to America mm-hmm. um, who came over to America like eight, seven or eight BC. Um, and Lehi was like, I guess the main dude. And then he had a son who was another, Some sometimes he's called a prophet. Sometimes he's not. I'm like, I don't understand what, who y'all are calling prophets, but okay. Um, so they came over here and already knew about Jesus over here before he was even born 
And then when he died, he Jesus appeared to them here in America. And through generations of apostasy, I guess Native Americans just forgot about Jesus. Okay. He just disappeared from their entire culture. And Wait, you know. but do they believe that indigenous people that lived here... Mm-hmm were here when the Jews came or do they believe I that think like, so. they are descendants of those Jews? I think both. I think oh. they believe that there were already people here, but then those Israelites came over and their descendants are also interwoven in wow. Native American peoples. So, wow. um, yeah. So Joseph Smith, Which I, I find fascinating since Mormonism is incredibly white extremely well yeah so joseph smith writes all this down and then gives the golden plates back to moroni um convenient convenient and but like 15 people got to see him and testified to their veracity um but then joseph smith is like hey i learned all this stuff and the church has gotten away from the true teachings of god the true godness um, and so I'm here to right that wrong and bring us back to the path, which is so crazy because I, I mean, not crazy. I don't want to say crazy, but it's funny to me, like how different things are in Mormonism that it's not just like a few little differences that like the church kind of forgot. It's like God was a man who then ascended to Godhood. He's also married to the wife of God. I don't know her name. Um, and their son, one of their sons is Jesus. Okay. Um, and he got to come to earth. Oh God. And then also ascended to Godhood. And, but he's not God's only son. He's just the begotten son who got to come to earth and die for humanity's sins. This is his he, favorite. Cause he had to also Adam sinning in the garden of Eden was a good thing because that okay i actually i'm getting ahead of myself in the beginning the universe already existed god is not the only god out there there are other gods and god saw earth and was like god made like the organized the universe out of things that were already here and we all are spiritual beings that existed oh oh and right Right, because Mormons believe uh, the whole thing. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. The whole thing about souls existing before you're born, mm-hmm. and like, oh, and oh, that's what it was. It choosing your parents or whatever it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so you exist, and then you get to be put into a body, and. If you are righteous enough in your life, then when you die, you ascend to be with God. And if you're good, even better, then you get to, like, rule the universe with God and all the other ascended people who get planets and solar systems and whatever. So that's extremely different. Yeah. (laughs) Extremely different. So the fact that they're like, the church has just gotten a little off base. I'm like, dude. Uh, A little? A little? You're talking about aliens, my guy. Like, (laughs) but okay, sure. So Jesus was the firstborn spirit child of the Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. (laughs) Can I get a t-shirt that says firstborn spirit child? (laughs) 
of the Heavenly Father. Yes, I'll make. I feel you like one. it needs to be like tie dye though. Yes. Yeah. So there's also three kingdoms of glory, um, depending on your level of faithfulness. So you don't even have to necessarily believe in God to obtain immorality. No, immortality. Not immorality. Immorality. <laughs> hey. If hey. you, if you're good enough, you get to be bad. <laughs> um, so only the most, like, quote unquote, spiritually perverse will go to hell. So even if you don't believe in God and you're a good person, you're not necessarily going to go you're to hell. Fine. You just like, you don't get a planet, which when you die and everyone else around you has a planet, aren't you going to be jealous? Yeah. So you should be a Mormon. Listen, a planet to me, it feels like a lot of responsibility that I it don't re- want. Thank you. That's what I think, too. I don't need a planet. I, I don't can, even have kids. I can barely handle two children. No. I don't need I don't need a planet. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. So, Mormons, um, after Joseph Smith had this revelation, uh, this was in, like, mm, 1830s. Um, they tried to find a place to to exist and they went to like Ohio and then they went to Missouri and maybe Indiana and they just kind of haven't kept having to go place to place because they'd show up somewhere and be like hey we're Mormons this is what we believe and people would be like uh not here you don't and like <laughs> run them out of town um so Joseph Jackson Smith is County, uh, Missouri <laughs> they ended up there for a while um and uh they Joseph Smith ends up being killed by an angry mob and knew that he was done. Okay, I'm going to stop <laughs> singing. I'm going to stop singing it now. Um, Joseph Smith was shot and killed by uh, this angry mob. And Brigham Young is who took over for him and led mm-hmm. them to um, Salt Lake City. And they set up in Utah. And Brigham Young University is a thing out there. And uh, now... They exist today, and that's kind of become their big headquarters, which if yeah. you know anything about the United States, you know Utah is Mormon land, and <laughs> it's very, it's like a di- whole different culture. Utah, so, for those of you who are not from the United States, Utah is this state where everything's orange, <laughs> and I've been to Utah, so I can say this with confidence. I've been to uh-huh. Utah multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh it, everything's orange. A lot of things are very pretty mm-hmm. um, because they're just these beautiful like structures. Um, and Utah is home to the scariest place on Earth, um, which is Grand Escalante National Park. <laughs> Grand Escalante National Park is the scariest place on Earth. I don't care where <laughs> you have been, but that is terrifying because because there's one road two lanes that goes through this entire national park and it is just nothing for miles they tell you to fill up your tank before you go into the national park because if you don't you will not make it out it is desert it's beautiful i mean it's absolutely gorgeous landscape but it's just orange dust it's like you're on mars like it really (laughs) And there's these beautiful structures that are not structures, they're rock. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's plateaus and like, you know, all this stuff. But nothing, no one, for miles. 
And yet somehow you spend, I don't know, hours driving through Grand Escalante's <laughs> National Park. And the only thing you see the whole day driving through, the whole day is a single UPS truck going where? We don't know. <laughs> to who? I don't know. What's in the box? Like, it's one of those, like, like who who shipped a body out here? Because it's, I mean, like, it was terrifying. Like, it was, it was, it was legitimately terrifying. We were like, at first you, you go in and you're like, oh, this is just so beautiful. Look how majestic God's creation. Oh, it's so, so great. Four hours in, you're going, okay, but. We haven't seen a single car <laughs> this whole time. There are Everyone no, else knew not there to go are in no there. No <laughs> streetlights because it's the middle of nowhere. Um, are we going to make it out of here or did we enter the Twilight Zone and we're just going to drive forever? It's, a, it's an infinite loop. And then you see the UPS truck and you're like, what? <laughs> that's it's it's that's Utah. It's Mormons and Grand Escalante's National Park. <laughs> well, I'm sure the um, the tourism in Utah is about to skyrocket because of our <laughs> glowing review of what to do in Utah. <laughs> no, but like all the other national parks in Utah are amazing. But uh, that mm-hmm. one, don't do it. No. Don't do it. You'll Grand question Escalante. your choices. Like, no, like I'm, I'm legitimately convinced that people have gone into that national park, lost their entire sense of self and just walked off into the su- into <laughs> the horizon line. You know but people have been abducted by aliens out no! there. No! Yes! Yes! Yeah. So they- people have probably gone out there, lost days of their lives and come back and been like, I'm, lose- I'm missing time. I don't even know. I'm not going <laughs> to lie abducted. to you. I'm not going to lie to you, Sarah. On that same trip that my family took when we drove through Grand Escalante's National Park in Utah, mm-hmm. we lost a day. <laughs> I'm not joking. I forgot about that. I'm not joking. <laughs> we lost a day. We showed up at the post office to mail some postcards and it was closed. And we were like, what? And they were like, you know, it's Sunday, right? And we were like, no, it's not. Like, we literally <laughs> lost a day. We were probably abducted by oh aliens. Oh, my God. That explains so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it really man. does. It really oh, does. Oh man. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> uh well, um I don't even know how to transition from that. <laughs> no, but I, you, you know, talk. Okay. okay, let me let me let me find the transition there. Yeah. Um no, but really though, if you live in a place that looks like you could be abducted by aliens, I mean, I could be convinced that maybe like I get a planet one day, you know? That's very true. That's very true. So they gather around, they have different churches, but they create the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's the official thing. Now, as we talk about how it then became the FLDS, um, it the FLDS, I should say the, the ball that started rolling, that <laughs> gained enough snow to snowball into the FLDS, started... 1890, the church suspends the practice of polygamy so that they can gain statehood for Utah. Um, so, because polygamy's 
illegal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if they were going to have statehood, they had to stop doing that. So they basically just started excommunicating any Mormons who disagreed with that and still wanted to be polygamous. Um, so the fundamentalists who wanted to keep doing polygamy had to move and had to find a new place. So um, this one group around the 1930s, they moved down to this uh, place. They called it the Short Creek Community. Um, and it's on the border of Colorado City, Arizona and Hilldale, Utah. Okay. So sometimes people just also call it like Hilldale and Colorado City. Yeah. Um, and uh, conveniently, it was on the state lines so that they could kind of allegedly hop back and forth mm-hmm. uh, to get heat off of them for from the law. Yeah. Um, you know, like my moonshiner ancestors used to do. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, um, in the fifties, like they, they hung out in short Creek and had a whole big community and they were safe for a while. And then in the 1950s, um, in 53, there was a raid of their property and 36 men, 86 women and 263 children were, either arrested or like taken into custody and like taken off of the, um, the property. And, uh, the, eventually the men were all placed on probation, but they had to promise to discontinue polygamy and the women and children mostly returned to the ranch after a couple years of like being wards of the state. Um, so after that, obviously spoiler alert, they did not stop practicing polygamy. (laughs) They just got, uh end no they just got more secretive kind of like when you try to be a super strict parent and ground your kids and not talk to them no they just learn how to keep secrets so that's what the flds did um there were a couple other offshoots that didn't become the flds there's other like fundamentalist mormon groups um the one that's uh sister wives the tv show that's a different group i forget what they're called but um so they just become more secretive and more like the world is persecuting us and we can't let them know that we still practice polygamy. So um, they have all of these different leaders that they consider prophets, not as not not as profity prophets as Joseph Smith, um, slightly below him, but still prophets who like speak for God and tell them how to run all their lives and stuff. So. Our story really starts with um, 1986, this guy named Roland Jeffs, who seems kind of like everyone's granddad, that like every granddad you've ever known, like that's (laughs) Roland Jeffs. He's just, he um, seemed to be nice. I mean, not, you know, he wasn't like a mean person, Mm -hmm. Um, but he had this whole thing about um keep sweet keep sweet was like his tagline he literally had shoes that on the bottom of him one one said keep and one said sweet he had hats that said like keep sweet that's the bottom line very 90s 80s 90s behavior um and uh but basically that phrase of keep sweet meant to be sweet to be happy to never show any kind of negative emotion to anyone, especially not your father or your husband, because you need to be obedient yeah. constantly gotta, and sweet. 
kind. Yeah. You need to do whatever you're, whatever the men tell you to do. Just keep your mouth shut. Exactly. And do what you're told. So um, by this time, I mean, polygamy is in full swing. The whole community. Um, and the more wives that you have in their belief, the like more uh, righteous you are. So when you die, you'll get better things if you have a bunch of wives three seems to be the magic number once you have three like you get a planet and then oh yeah that's the one thing that my parents told me about this documentary when they were reading yeah. about it they were like yeah you need three you gotta have three yeah i don't know three's the magic number um maybe it has but like he, some kind of trinitarian connection probably probably um well roland didn't need to worry about that because he had like 60 some wives i mean he I don't know how you keep track of that many people. You don't. I just, I Well, how many of them were underage? Well, I I actually don't know if any of his wives were underage. I don't know. Um, That kind of started later. (laughs) Worse later. Um, (laughs) Oh, wait. It gets worse. (laughs) It do, in fact, get worse. Um, So the, the documentary that we've referenced... Um, the Netflix one, it's called Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey. Um, definitely recommend it to anyone interested in this topic. I feel like it's a good overview. Like, I've seen A&E has, like, a, um hour-long documentary on Warren Jeffs specifically, who's the current leader of the FLDS. Um, but this kind of goes from the beginning to now and the court cases and the culture and all the stuff in between. So it's very, very good. Um, but one of the main kind of families in this documentary is the wall family. So there's Lloyd and Myrna who were high school sweethearts and they show a picture of them and it's super cute. Um, and Lloyd actually converted into the FLDS. He was not born there, which is very, different and weird and And, uh so he converts he joins their group and then uh one day roland comes to him and is like hey uh i think this lady sharon needs to be part of your family and they myrna says that was the first time he met her and we took her home that night and i'm like took her home it sounds like you're adopting a puppy like Yeah. yeah but truly so um they had 23 children total holy Um, moly mm -hmm. um so i think myrna had nine is that right i don't know anyway between the two of them 23 kids um and two important children in this story are um, rebecca and elisa who were both not myrna's kids they were his second wife, Sharon's kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rebecca got married to Rulin Jeffs. I don't know if it's Rulin or Roland. They say it kind of both ways. But she, when she was 19, um, was uh, like, I guess whenever your kids or your daughters are ready to be married, you like oh, yeah. mm-hmm. put them up to be married and let the community know that they're available. And so super she, fun. super great, not auctiony at all. Um, apparently Roland had this like secret handshake that if he went up to you and shook your hand and like squeezed it three times, it meant you were supposed to be his wife. 
And he did that to Rebecca and she was like, uh, I'm 19 and you're 85. So that's, um, a choice, but she had to get married to him because he's the prophet. So, um, it's, uh, it's really, weren't like her, weren't they like thrilled though? Um, I think in a way she was glad, like it was, it was an honor. I think to marry the prophet, but she also didn't really understand what all marriage entailed because they don't teach you about oh, sex. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually really sad, um, which we'll have to put a trigger warning on this episode, but, um, there's her and another woman that were married to Roland and they talk about like he, every night would have his wives like line up so he could say good night to them. And, Rebecca says it like one night he she was like at the end of the line and he said I want you to stay and uh after I'm done saying goodnight to everyone else we can do a little love making which is the most 85 year old man thing oh, I've yeah. ever heard in my life oh, yeah. um and she didn't know what that meant she had no idea how babies were made she didn't know what sex was except that it was like a bad thing yeah and so they consummated their marriage relationship and um it was just super violating and she was so confused about like why this was happening to her and why the prophet of all people was doing this and it's just heartbreaking to listen to her tell this whole story um but along with her like getting this status bump her dad who had been kind of passed over for wives suddenly got his third wife Hmm. when his daughter married the prophet so very uh, scratch your back and I'll scratch mine yeah, situation. Yeah. Um, her other sister, Elisa, um, is very important because she actually testified against Warren Jeffs, Roland's son. Yeah. Um, later on because she was married to her cousin, um, when she was 14. Oof. And... I think he was like early 20s, I want to say. Oh, gosh. And uh, she didn't want to marry him, begged not to get married to him, um, but she had to anyway. And, and like, she was seen as being this very, like, defiant girl because yeah. she was... She was being she disobedient. Had, right. And she had the, like, chutzpah to go to Warren Jeffs and say, like, I can't do... I, like, I, I can't marry him. I don't want to marry him. I don't like him. I really, he disgusts me, in fact. So then eventually, because she was married at 14, that becomes very important later when Warren Jeffs is put on trial for... Right. Everything. 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 All the things. Yeah. Um, So Warren, um, just speaking of important people, Warren Jeffs is a weirdo. He's a freaking (laughs) weirdo, nasty man. And I... His voice, ugh, it just, I can't even, like, listening to him give sermons where he's just like, and the Lord said to them, you would have, like, I, no. it's, it's, it's so disturbing to me. And a few people in the, in these documentaries were like, he had a very soothing and calming voice. And I can kind of see that. But once you know what you know about him, gross, disgusting, sick. So, he uh, was not Roland's 
oldest son. Um, but he was kind of the favorite and his mother, um, kind of pushed him to be really close to Roland so that when Roland died, Warren could just kind of step in there. But apparently they had also been told like Roland would never die. And he was the last prophet. He was the prophet that was going to lead them into the end times. And so when he did die, rut row, um, people were very scared and confused. And at that point, Warren had already kind of been taking over things and speaking for his father for a while. Um, so then when Roland died, he very easily was able to just slide right in and be yeah. like, yes, actually God told me now that I'm the next one. And my father has come to me and told me that like, mm. this is my position now. And people went with it. And then he, on top of that, very quickly married a bunch of his father's wives. Oh gosh. And I mean a bunch. I mean uh, a bunch of his father's gross. wives. Disgusting. I'm I'm hoping not his own mother, but I don't know at this point. Um, and unfortunately, Warren uh, was inappropriate with his sisters from a young age. And people knew about it and just let him get away with it because... I don't know, because that you don't talk about bad things in this cult. Yeah. Um, I need you to know that I mm-hmm. googled Warren Jeff's voice so that I could find a YouTube <coughs> video to hear his voice. Mm-hmm. My sound isn't working, so I couldn't listen to it. But one of the videos that came up is titled "Listen to Polygamist Warren Jeff Sex Tapes." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. And we're going to get there. Oh, And I mean, that's at the very end of this story, but, um, oh my God, I just, we should probably take a quick break. (laughs) Now I'm realizing how much time we spent and, uh, we've got a good baseline. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's the basics. I'm starting to feel queasy about it. So it's a good, (laughs) it's It's a good spot. We'll take a moment now that you already know sex tapes are involved. Let's take a second. Let's shore up our constitutions. Yeah. And I'm going uh, to put on the armor of God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I am going to put a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode. But after this break, we've already talked about marrying underage. One's, and one's own mother as well. And one's own mother. It will get worse. So if you're squeamish about like sexual assault, especially involving children, squeamish is even if you've gotten word. this far if yeah if if that's gonna be too much for you i don't take it i don't take it personally it's okay you can dip out i didn't dip out and maybe i should have but now i'm here <laughs> now i'm here to tell all of you about it here i am <laughs> so um we'll take a break and when we come back we'll get into how the flds just spun out of control and warren jeffs got his in the end so good good to know And we're back. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, hello. Um, Ahoy. <laughs> shalom. <laughs> Aloha. <laughs> Ahoy. Uh, we've, had a, we've had a snack. Jordan had a delicious 
chicken nuggy snack. I had chicken nuggets with ranch dressing and shredded cheese on a tortilla. It's unhealthy, but it's Sounds delicious. Good, Actually, the second I had two tortillas there. The second tortilla had just Polynesian sauce on it. <laughs> that was it. And you know what? It was great. <laughs> hey, if you like it, that's what's important. You know. You know. Let's get back into this fun time. So, fundamentalist Mormons. Cults. All right. So, uh, picking up where we left off, we are now in the early 2000s. Warren Jeffs is the head of the FLDS. Um, He married all his moms. He married all of his moms. He uh, is... Get it? He's very manipulative. He was very crafty in sliding his way into the leadership position. Don't use the word slide. To work his way into the leadership position. I just, I just really didn't like that. No, I'm with you. Yeah, so we've talked about the Wall family, which they, again, uh, are important later. And I'm actually going to start with, um, so Rebecca, the older uh, sister in... Uh, the Wall family. So she had been married to Roland Jeffs when she was 19. When Roland died, she was released from that, obviously. And she wasn't immediately remarried. Um, she kind of stayed single for a while. And then eventually, once Warren was in charge, he was like, TikTok lady, t- clock's a ticking. And... Um, <laughs> Your biological clock is ticking. (laughs) Hamlet. No, I just love the TikTok lady. Yeah. Clock's a ticking. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So she started having an immense amount of pressure to get remarried. And she was like, "Mm, don't want to do that. So... Uh, so sorry, but I would prefer <laughs> not to. The first marriage sucked. and uh, I, No thanks. Yeah, I will pass on the marriage thing, actually. <laughs> um, thank you so much for the offer, but I would like to decline. <laughs> and uh, which I don't even know if Warren wanted her to marry him because he, he hadn't. She was one of his. No secret handshake. Moms. Yeah, no secret handshake happened. But uh, I wrote down just a, a particular quote. <laughs> she, from... she never met the prerequisite. She had never been one of his moms. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was. That's the weird thing. Oh, no, wait. She was. Yeah. Theoretically. I mean, technically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but apparently he uh, brought, she tells a story in the documentary about he brought her into his office and said, you have a week. You will be married within a week. And um, she was like, no. And he said, you know, this is God's plan for you. And she just said, no, I do not. <laughs> it's like Ballsy. chutzpah. Yeah. Moxie. Um, <laughs> Moxie. But apparently he literally said, like, I will break you. And you oh, because geez. she was like telling him, no, not being obedient. Um, so she ended up gumption. Mm -hmm. So she ended up basically being like, you know what? I could leave. 
I, I could go. I could just leave. And she did. She wrote her mom and sisters a letter and left it on her bed. And then on a Sunday when security was like the lowest, she just walked out the gates. Well, she called her brother and her brother had also left at one point. And so he helped her once she actually got out. But she talked about like how hard it was and she didn't know anything about anything. Like she'd never been to the outside world. All she knew she had her violin and a sewing machine and those were like her comfort things because that was what she knew. But, you know, I mean, imagine just living no, hardly any outside world influence yeah. and then suddenly just being let loose <laughs> into America. That's one thing that I can't, I mean, when you think about like, um, not so much anymore, but like older Amish communities that like were really, really cut off and then mm-hmm. you go on Rumspringa and it's like, oh, <laughs> I can't imagine that. Now yeah. it's not, that's not as prevalent because Amish communities are more connected and, and things like that. Mm. But whoa. Yeah. It, so scary. I can't. I mean, the strength it takes to do that and to leave your whole family behind is. That's the that's the part of it that's biggest, I think, for me is to mm-hmm. a lot of times we think about people leaving those situations in terms of like the, the immediate risk and not so much um, the long term and personal risk that mm-hmm. comes with losing your entire community and losing your family, yeah. um, but doing so for your own safety. And so that's just like comes with its own baggage of guilt and shame and um, difficulty. Yeah, and you don't even know who to reach out to for help, you know, unless, like I said, she had a brother. But if she hadn't, mm-hmm. I don't know that she would have been able to leave. Right. I mean, um, it would have been even harder. Um, so, so she uh, ended up, um, she married, after she got out, she ended up marrying another ex-FLDS person. They have since gotten divorced, but um, it seems like she had a pretty good life she had kids and um was able to kind of help with everything that happened after as well um so uh, a, a a happy ending yeah for uh for rebecca's story and that's she seems really cool um so we also talked about her sister elisa mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um or elisa um who married her cousin when she was 14 um it is extremely sad to watch her talk about it and talk about how she cried and begged her mom not to let her do this, which is another aspect that I think is really hard to understand as far as why these parents would let their 14 year old children get married. Like, yeah, even looking I mean, at, you know, pictures of this 14 year old child I, I can't imagine, and I know that they're in that world. Yeah, it's like when you, that's all you know, that's mm-hmm. the expectation. I think, too, there's probably some degree of, like, this is going to keep my daughter safe mm-hmm. as well, which is just so heartbreaking. Yeah, and she also said at one point that when she was, because they took them out of state to, like, a motel, to marry them because they knew this was not an okay thing to do. Yeah. And by them, I mean Warren. And, uh, but so they were at the hotel and they were getting married 
and she talks about like holding her mom's hand and feeling her mom's desperation and that being the moment that she realized like it wasn't just about her Mm -hmm. it affected other people and not only affected like in the practical day-to-day but like they literally believed that their salvation was dependent dependent on on this Mm -hmm. and so not just her salvation but like her mom's salvation yeah depended on her doing this that is so much to put on a child a literal child yeah and it's so uh, so sad so we'll come back to her because i think she was married for a couple years maybe um but while all that's happening warren is just getting more powerful um and uh let's talk we've talked a lot about the girls let's talk about the boys for a minute because oh no. <coughs> excuse me well here's one thing so the church made a ton of money because they figured out we could get into like agriculture and construction and we have all these young boys that will work for free mm. and we will have no labor costs and so they had all these businesses and um like major companies like walmart and amazon were working with them and uh at one point it said they were bringing in like um millions of dollars a month so a month a month which i was thinking earlier like watching the beginning of this documentary i was like i want to know how these people afford to have 20 some kids yeah like in this economy (laughs) even even in the in 2002 economy which was better arguably Mm -hmm. but um no uh but i think they kind of had a more of a communal funds situation as long as you were in good standings yeah um but yeah so warren's making a ton of money um but then there's the issue of if you have all of these men who want to marry a bunch of younger girls Mm -hmm. and 50 percent of the babies born are girls and 50% are boys. The math ain't mathin because there are too many boys. Oh no. For the girls, right? right? So they would just kick out young boys, like 13 year old Excuse me? Pl- uh, plus boys. They would just kick them out. Say, mm, "Sorry, you're excommunicated." They w- I'm sure they would come up with a reason that's like you know god told me that but are they so they're making the parents just like kick their child out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow Mm -hmm. what what decides who goes and who stays and which parents get to stay or if the whole family goes i don't know i'm not 100 sure it it was all very political mm -hmm. and it wasn't just kids like i right now i'm just talking about kids but later there's a lot of other people that just get conveniently excommunicated. Um, but so f- these boys, which they, I think there was actually a group that was kind of created to help them. They called them the lost boys. Yeah. But I mean, they were just out on the street wow. with nothing, no one. And so the States were just kind of like, uh, like, wh- wait a minute. No, wh- wh- all Excuse these children. <laughs> That are just showing up 
are now wards of the state and we have to take care of them and we will but like what's happening here yeah, so yeah i think a lot of that as warren got more power he also got a lot more of the outside world realizing attention he got attention yeah something fishy was going on uh so people started paying more attention which is not good for him him. (laughs) yes um so he also made life a whole lot more strict like i guess with roland and everyone else like yeah they were culty and they thought that this guy was a prophet and they thought that they were the one true church but they weren't like they like had fun (laughs) they had some books from the outside um they got to like go places like visit the zoo or you know go on trips and Mm -hmm. um it wasn't super like locked down warren came in and was like no fun no fun allowed from here on out oh no fun sucker (laughs) um he started changing dress code so like before you could kind of wear whatever you wanted as long as you were covered up as a woman yeah um and then he was like actually no you can only wear dresses throw out all your denim can't wear denim anymore uh throw color red the color red is banned um can't wear that anymore i mean i'm fine with that but (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't look good on me anyway but i'm I'm not a red kind of person yeah i'm a winter skin tone palette kind of situation but um so no red and uh long underwear like full like um oh my gosh what are those called long johns long johns thank you exactly long johns under your dresses you had to be completely covered and came up with this way that women needed to all wear their hair they all had to have it like braided back there were like approved hairstyles (laughs) that were supposed to give you the perfect oval shape um and so women were spending like hours doing their hair because they had to and every hair had to be like right in place so things are getting strict uh they were they stopped sending their kids to public school and just had them schooled there um so like you do you know when you're like you do yeah and there was a whole thing with the olympics because the olympics in 2002 was in salt lake city utah it was it was and apparently uh for whatever reason warren was like hey guys if the olympics comes to salt lake it's gonna be the end of the world and so we all need i don't know why i couldn't tell you He's like, that's it. That That's going to be God's judgment. That's going to trigger it. I love and that so, it's like, if it comes to Salt Lake. They planned that so many years in advance. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe they thought something was going to intervene. I don't know. Uh, but so he's like, what we all need to do is we all need to go to Short Creek, which is that community that's on the Arizona uh, mm-hmm. border. And uh, we all need to go down there. So that we're all together. So that when God's judgment comes, the whole world's going to burn up except for Short Creek. And then, spoiler <laughs> alert, that didn't happen. <laughs> and people were like, pardon? <laughs> um, why are we still here? And Warren was like, uh, oops, oh no. Okay, got to come up with something quick. So he's like, well, God gave us a little more time. He's giving us a gift. He wants more people to be saved. Oh, gosh. So we get more time. But now, conveniently, we're all down here at Short Creek, where I can watch over all of you all the yeah. time. Um, so that was not good. 
also in 2002 was the beginning, I would say the beginning of the end for Warren. <laughs> the moment that he really knew that he was going to get got. He just didn't know when or how. But uh, there was a guy. Also important to know. Before we talk about this guy, guy named, named Rod. Um, also important to know, the Short Creek community had a police station and government buildings all controlled by the FLDS. Oh, wow. Like, completely, if they weren't members, they did whatever Warren Jeffs wanted them to do. Because he had uh, the cash. Oh, yeah. So, um, this police officer named Rod Holm was uh, found to have married a 16-year-old girl. And she got pregnant and had a baby. They don't super go into, like, how all this came out. But she was, like, interviewed and... Um, the state decided to bring up charges against him because, like, he's a police officer and he knows the law and he just didn't care. And so, uh, he's arrested and found guilty of marrying an underage girl. And they kind of just gave him a slap on the wrist. Like, he didn't really get much. But that was the moment that Warren Jeffs was like, aha, <clears throat> if they will come after a police officer... They will come after me. So <laughs> he um, oh, kind I of. I think they did that. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait. There might be actions for my consequences. So crazy. So wild. So he kind of went into hiding and he was like gone. But for, I mean, he would like pop up to do marriages, of course, because you got to keep polygamy going. Um, and then he would disappear again and kind of go underground. And it turned out that while he was going underground, he was buying up a big piece of land in Texas that he called the Yearning for Zion Ranch. Mm -hmm. Also known as the, I, I, a lot of people just called it the YFZ Ranch, Yearning for Zion. Um, because he knew, he was like, mm, I gotta get out of, I gotta, yeah. I gotta yeah. get a new place. The, the, it's getting too hot here, so we're gonna go to Texas <laughs> because that solves everything. Um, So he's, like, losing it, kind of. Yeah. He's getting very paranoid. This is when he starts doing... There's, like, a whole event where he'd been gone for a while and then popped back up for, like, a Sunday meeting and had everyone there and then was like, I'm going to read out a list of names and I want you all to stand up. Uh, Bob Jones, Tom Smith, yada, yada, yada. Um, the Lord has revealed to me that you guys are apostates and you're actually... Um, what was it called? Sons of... Sons of Perdition. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so y'all need to right now go home, pack your things. Don't say goodbye to your wives or family. You're gone. And just, and they were like prominent men. These were not just like nobodies. Wow. And he just kicked them right out. Um, he also did that to his own brother. I'm sure he did it to several of them. But his oldest brother, Leroy, um, they interviewed uh, one of Leroy's wives who was like super close to him and apparently he was kind of like a chill dude cool, a, a chill dude a cool guy um very sweet very kind um and then one day warren was just like no in fact you're gone and your wife now belongs to this other man because that's what they would do they would just move yeah wives and kids to someone else and be like that's your dad slash husband now wow never talk about your other one again ever so she just like Packed up her kids 
became someone else's wife, couldn't talk about Leroy to her kids ever again. Jeez. Like, can you even imagine if someone came into your house today and was like, sorry, you can never talk to Mark again and actually you're going to be Jim Bob's wife. Oh, please not Jim Bob, though. I know. (laughs) I know. Sorry, Jim Bob. (laughs) The prophet said it. It has to be Jim Bob. I'm sorry. (laughs) That was said today in our one of our retreat things where we were trying to remember somebody's name. And Julie was like, ah, his name was like Bob or, you know, something. And Rachel was like, oh, Jim, his name was Jim. And I looked at Rachel and I was like, Jim Bob. And she goes, she just, she was like, huh? And then she goes, oh God. (laughs) The fact that he's a real person is truly wild. (laughs) Yes. I just can't even believe it. Um, so the, uh, YFZ ranch. They also just called it Zion. Mm-hmm. Zion was like this place that um, was had been talked about forever and ever of like paradise on earth, right? It's, it's Zion. It's Zion. Um, if you've seen the Matrix, it's Zion. <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> no. <coughs> um, people just started disappearing, and. <laughs> I think in the Excuse documentary, me? they said that they called them poofers because they would just be gone poofers? one day. What a horrible, horrible name I know. for missing people. Both wholesome and terrible at the same yeah. time. I'm also pretty sure that used to be like a slur for gay men, but... Oh, really? <laughs> a, wow. A poofer? I think. Maybe it's a British thing. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> so, they would just start disappearing and other people in the community would be told that they got picked to go to Zion. And so it became this like going to Zion was like this carrot that they would hold out and used to manipulate people, which in reality, it was just a ranch in Texas that was like, not like they show video of all these people showing up at Zion. The ground is like messed up from where they've been digging and building things. It's just like log cabin looking places. I would have been disappointed if it were me and I showed up and I was like, oh my God, Zion. And then that was it. Some dusty place in Texas. I'd be like, no, thank you. I'd like to go back now, please. Um, please take me back to my polygamy. Please take cult. me back. I'm chilling. Yeah, I'm good. I don't want to be here. Um, but they would also then on top of just like taking whole families, Warren started just taking the kids. Oh gosh. And wouldn't tell the mothers. He would just take them. You just take them. And uh, like one of them, one of the ladies in the documentary told a story. I want to say it was her name was Charlene. um, Told a story about like she woke up one night and just like went to go to the bathroom or something and heard a commotion and walked in and some of her sister wives were packing her kids clothes. And her son got really excited and was like, oh my gosh, mom, like, do you get to come with us? And she's like, with you where? And then found out what was happening and said no. And her son just like started crying and didn't want to go. And I'm like, I, the trauma? Yeah. The trauma is unimaginable. Someone just taking your kids. But it was so that they could be raised away from their parents. Right. And right. better controlled. And then eventually, you know, funneled into this whole thing. Warren Jess and was then, a smart guy. And then married back to their moms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, evil genius, really. I mean, genius is giving him a lot of credit, but yeah, um, 
There was also a big temple on the YFZ ranch, which is important later. So the last, the last straw, um, in 2005, he's indicted in Arizona for arranging a marriage between a 16 year old girl and a 28 year old man. And I'm not a hundred percent clear on if that was the police officer guy or if this was another one it's Mm. not super clear so they uh, issue a warrant for his arrest he's also charged in utah as an accomplice to rape for performing a marriage between a 14 year old girl elisa and Mm. an adult man because elisa also escapes elisa is like you know what i'm tired of being married to my cousin who's abusive <clears throat> and at one point, I think Warren actually said to her, like, you've been really terrible and not obedient at all. And really, the only way to rectify this is if you just kill yourself and make yourself wow. like a sacrifice. And she was like, I will not be doing that. In fact, I will be skedaddling and getting on out of here. So yeah. um, so she comes forward. And uh, so they put out a warrant for his arrest because he's being nasty. He eludes the police for several months several months and he was put on the fbi top 10 most Most wanted wanted list list. wow like next to osama bin laden yeah Yeah. (laughs) next to osama bin laden this man is right up there nasty old warren and uh and while he was on the run warren was having a grand old time he was going to vegas Mm -hmm. he was going to disney world with some of his wives and people were sending him money i mean thousands of thousands of thousands of dollars a a month a week like so much money um so he's living his life and then he gets pulled over for a a routine traffic stop near vegas and gets arrested and that is how warren jeffs ends his illustrious career well sort of um so he gets arrested yeah because he's still the leader of the flds he just leads it from prison. Wow. Um, but he gets arrested um, and he's sentenced to first he's sentenced uh, in Utah to uh, 10 years to life. Um, after that, they end up raiding the uh, Zion ranch and 416 kids were removed which mm-hmm. they knew that there were a lot of kids they did not know there were that many kids wow so it kind of turned into like a whole um cluster a little bit and they just had to like set up temporary shelter for all of these kids um and the flds went on a media campaign where they were parading all these mothers out to the media and they're like crying and talking about their kids being taken away so of course like they're going to seem sympathetic yeah and it eventually worked and the supreme court in texas was like you gotta gotta give the kids kids back like you don't you can't just keep all these kids so unfortunately they had to go back so the trial lasts for a while he ends up being extradited from you Called to Texas. Well, it's important to point out too, he mm-hmm. did try to hang himself in 2007. In oh, jail. yes, also important. Yeah. Um, and while he's like in prison, even just awaiting trial, like he's having meetings with his mm-hmm. leadership and family, and they're like coming to him, and uh, he's like ha- having them take notes on his revelations that he's having in prison because of course always the martyr right like yeah it plays right into 
yeah. right into it. He also, uh, it's a, it says here that he engaged in lengthy hunger strikes, mm-hmm. which his doctors and attorneys have claimed were for spiritual reasons. Um, but in August of 2009, Superior Court Judge Steve Kahn ordered that he be force-fed at the Arizona, <laughs> Arizona jail. Sorry, dude. Yeah. Can't do it. Well, and he came out and said, and I don't know if this was before or after he was actually sentenced, he said in a recorded thing that he was not the prophet. Like he told one of his leaders, I was deceived by evil. I'm not a prophet. The things I say aren't true. Like walked back everything and they have it recorded and all of his followers are like, that was coerced. He was drugged. He didn't mean it. Mm, We're not listening to that at all. And he ended up just flipping right back and was like, actually, just kidding. (laughs) Um, I will call you from prison and you can put me on speakerphone in the uh, in the meetings and I will continue to give my revelations. When they raided the ranch, um, they also had a search warrant to search the temple. And this is where kind of uh, Elisa and Rebecca come back in a little bit. Um, because the police went to them and were like, hey, we need help. We know that there's stuff in this temple. What should we expect? And Rebecca's like, there will be records. Because when I was married to Roland, they keep everything. They keep marriage records. Uh, they, I mean, like family records. Yeah. And they will be in the temple. So they go in this temple. They find a huge sealed vault. They take a jackhammer, chip that sucker up. And inside were boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of files of tapes no and i just don't understand here's what i don't get actually let me come back to what i don't get because another important piece of information while and this is gross so i just want everyone to prepare yourself for what i'm about to say because this is actually disturbing they found a room in the temple that was like all white and seemed very ceremonial and there was a bed in the middle of the room that had like a kneeling bench next to it and going through the boxes they found like instructions on how to use this room which was basically a marriage room where warren would marry his child wives um and then consummate the relationship um and this bed had to be like covered mm-hmm. because of the activities that would take place on it and so in the boxes that they found with the records there were also tapes sex tapes that he had recorded of him consummating these relationships but also things like having multiple wives in the room and like instructing them i'm going to say this as clinically as possible instructing them how to pleasure each other sexually as a group and couching it in religious language um they would like watch him consummate his marriage with 12 year old girls um wow and would like pray while it's gross like i know that i know it's gross it's gross on so many levels but also hearing this man like giving a sermon before he's about to assault a child is so beyond gross beyond gross and here's my question if you're gonna do all of this 
you're going to marry children, if you're going to assault children, why are you tape recording it for the love of God? It's a trophy. It's It's a trophy. It's a... I mean, think about his perspective of... I've been watching too much Criminal Minds. But, like, his perspective <laughs> of that's the temple that's the place of his power. Mm-hmm. And there's this big old vault that, that you know, he knows. He looks at that and he knows what's in it. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. it's it's locked up except for him. And mm-hmm. that's his. And there's, like, that... Oh, that's so disgusting. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, what a slam dunk, though. For authorities to come in and be like, all of your crimes are extensively documented. Cool. There you go. Well, uh, pack it up, boys. Let's uh, call it a day because we have all of our evidence right here. Well, Um, but um, unfortunately, his initial charges mm -hmm. were actually overturned. I did Um, see that. Yeah. Yeah. But it was because um, his legal team had them overturned because of a... This was in 2010, due mm-hmm. to flawed jury instructions. Yeah. Which yeah. basically means that they were like, what is one way we can we can ensure like a mistrial type situation? Right. Let's um, co- go over it with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. And thankfully that didn't matter because after all of this, he was eventually convicted of... Well, aggravated, ag- yeah. yeah, aggravated sexual assault of a child under the age of fourteen and sexual assault of a child under the age of seventeen, and he got life plus twenty years, which is my favorite kind of sentence. And on top of it, you know, just a ten thousand dollar fine, and a ten thousand dollar fine. He also eventually had to pay like sixteen million dollars to, um, I don't know if it was to Elisa, but to One, someone yeah. that um he'd been married to i think well that's what Um, happens when you get extradited to texas exactly (laughs) exactly oh my gosh and he uh at the time of his arrest had over 70 wives wow and over 20 of those were under the age of 17 uh he had 482 alleged victims yeah that's 400 And 82. Almost 500 people. It's just... Mostly children. Yeah. And that's basically where the story ends. They still exist today. They think that he's a martyr. They think that the world is persecuting him and lying about their prophet. And there are still people in this community. I don't really know uh, the state of, like, the uh, police presence around them or who's like keeping tabs on them i do know that um after he was charged and all that um there was a federal jury that found that the city governments in short creek um in hilldale and colorado city were so corrupted by the flds that they had started discriminating against non-members by like denying them police services wow or utility hookups in their homes oh my gosh and uh so a federal judge like made demands of how to like un FLDS the systems, which is crazy that they even had to do that. So I think Short Creek now is kind of being more diversified and other influences are coming in there and the FLDS has definitely lost a lot of its power and its foothold there. But 
I mean, it still yeah. exists. Guns. It still exists, and people still think that Warren Jeffs is a mouthpiece for God. Or God himself. I don't really know. Um, and it's just really sad. And I think it's... The thing that gets me, and I was saying this to one of our friends the other day, talking about this. Part of me really wonders, like, what... Um, like, if he really bought into his own delusional stuff. Do you know? Like, was it yeah. all manipulation? Or did because he actually I, believe it about himself? I think definitely in the beginning, he was manipulating his way to the top. But when you live in a closed community and you have absolute power and everyone around you is telling you that you're the prophet and mm-hmm. believing you and listening to everything you say, I feel like at one point you really believe that you cannot be stopped. Yeah. You, I mean, who's going to stop you? Just, ew. Yeah. Pictures of the, of the, uh, temple wedding room. Mm-hmm. And I hope all those kids that went through this, I hope that they are thriving. I hope that they are living their best possible life out from under that. Um, um, we, I, I think, um, it is important to note about that ceremony though, mm-hmm. that like the temple ceremony is very much a thing that happens in the Mormon church, not just the F- FLDS. Yes. Yes. Um, that's yeah, like a very a real situation. I don't know if we want to do a whole episode on just regular Mormonism because I don't really know how I, where I stand with it because I don't either. It's hard because, like, I've known Mormon people who were not super, like, culty. And then I've also heard ex-Mormons talk about it in an extremely culty way. And so I don't, I I just don't really know where I stand. It's it's really interesting to me to think about, like, (sighs) you break down these structures that people have lived in their entire lives. Mm -hmm. They, I mean, they, they... they just, they really do not know any different. How do you even begin to, I, I mean, like, the only word that I can come up with is rehabilitate a person's entire history. What really freaks me out to think about is the thought of, like, you know, a lot of people who have gotten out are younger you know, maybe our age or so. And to hear them talk about their parents and how their parents are still in it. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. Cause I'm like, how, like just uh, being separated from your family. A is already sad. Yeah. But then it also makes me so sad and angry to think about if you were 60 in your sixties and you discover that the thing you've been dedicated to your whole life was a, a shame. lie. Yeah. Your Ugh. whole life is gone. Ugh. You've wasted 60 years of your one life on this earth. And that is so... Like, I would just stay in it. At that point, I would be like, you know what? <laughs> I mean... I, I can't. Let's I, be honest. I wonder if that's not sometimes <clears throat> what actually happens. Yeah. People are like, well... This is the only way I know how to live. And if it's not this, then what have I been doing? And mm-hmm. so they just stay there. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of cults, uh, I know MLM stuff, people talk about the sunk 
cost fallacy a lot of the time, which is the idea of like, I've already done, I've already put this much into it. I have to keep going. Yeah. You don't have to keep going. You can, you can stop, get out. You can stop uh, before it gets worse. But I think it's the same thing with that. Like you've already dedicated your whole life to this. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do at 65 years old? Right. Right. Now, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, oh my gosh, it's so upsetting. I can tell you, though, I uh, need to watch this documentary now. Yeah, it's so, so, so good. I I think, too, it's also important to, like, the story, the fact that, you know, we're talking about raiding a ranch, a, a fundamentalist ranch with children there. Yeah. I mean, automatically, in Texas, automatically... your thoughts are going to go to Waco, you know? Yes. And it's like, you have to think like what's going through law enforcement's mind at that time, you Mm -hmm. know, when they're like, okay, we're going to go, we're going to take these kids and hopefully everybody's going to make it out alive, you know? Yeah. I know they mentioned that at one point. Um, I think it was in this other documentary, but like some, officer said like what's the worst thing that could happen if we go to this compound and they all were like Waco it could absolutely be another Waco except that Warren Jeffs did take guns away from everyone well I mean that's good so at least they were not did he like take guns and stockpile them or just take guns and be like we can't have guns not sure not Hmm. sure um so again just for credit's sake the Netflix documentary keep sweet pray and obey extremely good um i also watched uh the a and e special called warren jeff's prophet of evil i think that's where they were talking about that um there are so many resources about the flds uh there's a podcast mormon stories that has done several uh interviews with ex-members of the flds um a bunch of podcasts that talk about it so if you're interested in this there is so much more than even what I talked about today. This is going to be such a long episode. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to tell the story and it's just crazy. It's just fascinating. Yeah. And it, it, I think, too, the thing that I, like, of course, I'm very, like, doomsday-ish. I don't know. I think, like, we're all just, like, one step away <laughs> from, like, that yeah. being our reality. Mm-hmm. That, like we're all just like one choice away from being in a cult, you know? Yeah. I'm a firm believer that every, anybody could be sucked into a cult. Oh, for sure. You know, for sure. We all have weaknesses. And even if it's not a religious cult, not all cults are religious. Um, and, uh, yeah, just always be aware. Um, if someone is controlling your thoughts, your behavior and isolating you time to go if they start talking about you need to cut off your family and friends time to go immediately as quickly as possible and if you don't feel like you can go anywhere there are resources Mm -hmm. and um, you can reach out heck to us (laughs) yeah shoot i'll help you get out of a cult absolutely yeah we hope that you guys are doing well and hydrating and not getting COVID. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's not fun. 
And uh, if you like hearing us talk about uh, Mormons, let us know. Mm -hmm. If you're a non-fundamentalist crazy Mormon and you listen to this podcast, one, I'm surprised. Two, (laughs) um, I actually would genuinely really like to hear about mormonism Mm -hmm. from a level-headed perspective i would too from someone that's yeah um and i know that the mormon church the lds church at large is extremely ashamed of the flds and wants nothing to do with them so i know it's not the same thing um but it would be very interesting to hear a perspective of someone who is a part of the lds church so if that's you please reach out we would love to chat we love you guys <laughs> Don't join a cult. Don't do and it. And stay tuned. And stay communed. episode of couch communion was produced by us we don't have a team for this music by grace mason cover art by the wonderful sarah mullins at dr frank and sarah on instagram and twitter if you like what you heard check us out on anchor spotify apple podcasts and anywhere else podcasts are found new episodes every friday thanks for listening let's go